Welcome back into the Badger Extra Podcast. My name is Colton Bartholomew. You will be a football big reporter here for Badger Extra and the Wisconsin State Journal. I am joined today by our basketball beat reporter at the State Journal and Badger Extra, Michael McCleary. He is fresh off of a couple of rough weeks of travel, and you were on the road all week with uh, last week with the uh, Rutgers and Michigan trip, weren't you? Yeah, fortunately, I uh, am originally local to. Uh to the area around Rutgers. So oh, uh, that, that was an easier trip than it would be for most. But yeah, Badgers did not go back to Madison, so I could not go back to Madison either. <laughs> Makes sense. All right, so we were recording this Wednesday. We just saw Wisconsin knock off or hold off, I guess I should say, Ohio State last night at the Cole Center. And then we learned this morning that Chris Holtman, the coach of Ohio State, is uh, fired. Uh, it seemed like that was maybe on the table throughout the season, and it's kind of been a disappointment there in Columbus. And uh, maybe it's not too shocking. It's just when I saw it today, I was like, "Oh, the Badgers got a coach fired for the first time in forever." Like, just as somebody that's that's paying attention to the Big Ten, is this something that's was kind of on the radar? Uh, I mean, you know, obviously, I'm not familiar with everything that's going on in Ohio State, but you know, Ohio State, you know, I, I remember seeing that being the talking point, especially after they couldn't hold off the Badgers uh, uh, in Columbus earlier in the year that, you know, it was, uh, you know, this, this seems to have been, been a trend over the last couple of seasons for them that, you know, they maybe have a group of players that they think could do more than what they're doing. And they're just not doing that. Uh, you know, like last year was a really, really bad example where I think I saw that they were five and 15 in the big 10 last year, which yeah, I, I no, yeah, yeah, that that's, that's not good. You know, that are no, I would say it's that standards pretty well. Like you gotta be competing. Yeah. And like, you know, I guess you, you could kind of put Wisconsin on a very similar playing field where, you know, people were, you know, kind of, you know, going pretty, pretty crazy over a nine and 11 season in the big 10. I mean, can you imagine four more losses? I mean, that's just, that's just hard to comprehend. So it's, uh, yeah, that, that has not been a good, uh, good couple of years in Columbus, uh, as far as the, uh, the big 10 goes, I don't, I don't know. You know, I think they did a little bit better in the non-conference where, you know, they were kind of coming into the big 10 seeming like, Oh, you know, maybe that run in the big 10 tournament last year, wasn't quite a fluke. And maybe they are actually a team that just, you know, just didn't have the right pieces together last year, but you know, they're a really young team and you know, that's a, that's a tough thing to do to a young team. And, you know, I saw that transfer portal window opens for the next 30 days and right. You wonder what that does to the league, you know? So I don't know. It's it's really intriguing right now. Just like any coach getting fired midseason, that's uh, you know that that is a potential to shake up the league league quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a big win not only because of what happened to Ohio State, but Wisconsin needed to kind of break that losing streak there on a four game streak going into that one. Um, I wouldn't say they played a, a great game Tuesday. It was fine, you know. Uh, they won. That was. It seemed like. The, the biggest goal of the night was obviously winning, but then two was getting Stephen Crowell going. And I wanted to talk to you about him because you've written quite a bit about it. I know Jim came out with a column uh, after the game Tuesday night about Crowell. And the, the word that came out of that was like, it's keeping the mandate that that guy be more aggressive, take more shots, you know, look for his opportunities. And then Ohio State, I think, helped out a little bit, not throwing a bunch of doubles at him and kind of letting him maybe get some easier shots than other teams had in the last few weeks. But for a guy that's 
watching every game and that practice and stuff, what is it about Crowell? Like, why do you think he's such the engine of this team? It seems like, like if he's going well, they're able to kind of string some wins together. And if not, it, it's get a little dicey. Yeah. Well, a, a lot of Wisconsin's, the simple answer is a lot of Wisconsin sets run through Crowell and the high and low post. Uh, so, you know, a lot of the curls and just sort of, you know, high pick and rolls and just a lot of the things that they're trying to set up offensively, it, it starts with a high post touch or a low post touch to Steven Crowell. So that's that's the simple answer. But on top of that, I mean, you know, he's obviously shown the ability, uh, you know, the, the three-point shot falling uh, his first attempt last night to, you know, open the scoring for the Badgers, that's not going to happen every game. Uh, typically, that means good things when, you know, his first shot and the first shot of the game is a Steven Crowell three and it sure. falls. Um, but, you know, he, he has shown the ability that when he gets his hook shot going to either hand, I mean, he's, you know, that's that's a bucket that is going to get Wisconsin back onto, oh, okay, we saw the ball fall through the rim. Okay, they have to focus on this guy, so now it's going to open up our perimeter players. You know, it's, it's just a lot of, like, it sets up a lot of things for Wisconsin as far as their offense goes. Um, but, you know, as you kind of alluded to, I mean, that just hasn't been there every single game. And, you know, it's not always Steven's fault um you know sometimes the post-entry passes aren't as crisp and turnovers become an issue and then you know there was a game where he was in foul trouble I, I forget exactly the game um and then obviously he had that injury at the beginning of the year going back to that first Ohio State matchup uh, uh beginning of 2024 I should say um going back to that first Ohio State matchup where you know you don't know if there's any lingering effects with that but um but yeah just you know with the with the top end ability that he's shown, um, you know, it, it just a little bit baffling sometimes that he comes into these games with, you know, not really just, it just doesn't seem like, you know, where that mandate might've been put on by, by the team. It just doesn't seem like he has that same internal mandate uh, to get some shots up. And, you know, that's something that has to exist with him where, you know, obviously it, it it was a talking point yesterday where it wasn't, you know, you mentioned the mandate, but, you know, uh, Wisconsin coach Greg Gard, you know, elaborate on that further saying that it was not a suggestion to get the ball. It was, it was very much, you know, like that was something that if they did not do, he would be very unhappy. Uh, but it's just kind of odd at, at this stage of uh, Stephen Crow's career that he, he and the Badgers need to constantly be reminded that, you know, he is sort of the focal point of this offense, um, you know, and I think that sort of is on a larger scale, uh, you know, can be equated to a lot of the issues that are showing up for Wisconsin. Like, you know, they're, they're getting an identity check from being an elite program two weeks ago to, you know, okay, you know, they're at some point, some points just not realizing what they're doing and how they're trying to get their points. And, they're just going away from what makes them good, which is something that uh, Guard has said at points of this season. So, you know, I mean, like you said, they they did not play great yesterday. I mean, you know, the previous four games I, I wrote down, they had shot 40.7% from the field, shot 25.6% from three. Yesterday they shot 44% and shot 33.1% from three. That's not that much better, you know? Oh, right. they, they, they break the four-game streak, which they needed to do, but, you know, this is definitely not a team that, leaves yesterday's win with anything I think more than a few you know like a sense of relief um you know it's still a team with a lot of problems and you know I think uh Steven 
getting into the scoring book is yesterday is not really something that you know Wisconsin can say oh thank thank goodness we got have him back because really I mean they they need him that's sort of where start with them yeah and you wrote about this earlier so go on badgerreaction.com and check this out but Stephen Crowell as a passer is one of the better passing big men you're going to see in the conference so it probably makes sense why he's the guy that they try to focus around because they know that once that double comes he can get it to the right spots and keep the offense moving like that but I thought it was interesting what you said like sometimes he doesn't just have that same mentality that the rest of the team has of hey like you're the best option on this play or if it's kind of broken down like you, you just got to be that guy I think maybe you can apply the same thing to Chucky Hepburn because, and, and you wrote about this uh, a couple weeks ago, that he's kind of sacrificing the shots to be the floor general and to be the guy that's getting everybody involved. I don't know if you've talked to him or guard or whoever, like how do they find that right balance for a guy like Chucky? Because like, it seems almost at times he's too deferential right now when you know he's a, a pretty good scorer when he's in rhythm, but like, how do you get into rhythm when you're you're intentionally taking down some shots to make sure the team can be its best? Like it's a really interesting balance. Yeah, it's a it's a double edged sword with Chucky, and I think same thing with Steven too. But uh, you know, obviously, a lot of what Chucky's playmaking and his I guess passive nature this year, a lot of it's been discussed in a very positive context. You know, in the sense that you know he's he's controlling the offense, and even as Wisconsin has a bunch of turnovers recently. Chucky has not had more than two in a game all throughout this stretch. That's crazy. Uh, and well, yeah. And, you know, I think his season high is three and he only hit that once. So it's, uh, yeah, he's, he's extraordinarily consistent as far as uh, his ball security and the way that he runs the offense. So, you know, everything that he's doing outside of scoring the ball is at maybe a higher level than he'd ever been at any point of his Wisconsin career. Um, but that being said, you know, I, I do think there is something to the idea of, Hey, like you, you did show that you can score at an extremely high level last year. So why haven't the Badgers seen that more? Um, so, you know, I think, uh, I think that's something that's still kind of, he's, I guess he's getting the pacing of a little bit, you know, he, you know, I wrote about a little bit yesterday, which you could read on Badger Extra too, uh, you know, that, you know, his focus on not being the closing scorer doesn't necessarily take him out of the closing, I guess, uh, you know, the ability to be a closing type player. Um, he could still make closing plays and, you know, he scored or assisted. I think, you know, I believe eight of those points were s- scored and then the other two were assisted on 10 of the final 12 for the Badgers yesterday. Um, so, you know, he still has the ability to, you know, make some plays at the end of games and, you know, make some things happen. But uh, yeah, the the shooting has been a little bit rougher this year, which... I think takes away from his scoring as a whole, but you know, I think over the last couple of games we've seen a little bit more scoring from him. Uh, that makes you wonder where that's sort of been, you know, throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, maybe he's just kind of saying, okay, well, maybe Crowell's not doing it, or if AJ's going to be off a little bit, I've got to insert some some scoring here. Uh, I'm going to leave you to one thing here. What's the biggest thing for the Badgers on Saturday when they go down to Iowa that they've got to get done to to get out of Carver Hawkeye with a win? Ooh, uh, you know, the the turnovers were an issue, I think, that first emerged when Iowa came to the Cole Center on January 6th, uh, and that was their first um, conference game of the year. I might have got that date wrong. Um, I think January 6th was Nebraska. So, you know, whenever they played them in early January. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so turnovers came about in that game, and, you know, at the time, those were, like, sort of rare 
a rare circumstance for the Badgers to turn over a bunch of uh, a bunch of balls and bunches. I mean, so you know, now that they become a little bit more consistent, I think cleaning things up, starting fast. I mean, you know, the Badgers have struggled on the road because they turn th- turn things over quick early and they let let teams get off the fast start. So, you know, there's there's a bit of a road narrative that's been forming with Wisconsin that they got to shake off this weekend. And uh, you know, I think you know you got six games left to you know win a few to give yourself you know, a pretty comfortable feeling moving into selection Sunday. And uh, I think getting a big road win on Saturdays, uh, you know, you got to start fast. You got to not turn over the ball. For sure. And a great example of what you're saying right there was that Rutgers game last Saturday where they were just down 15 in the blink of an eye. And they're just like, well, this is not a team that's that's built to, to make runs like that. I know they've, they've had some big comebacks this year, but it just that's a tough position to put yourself in on the road against even even bottom tier Big Ten teams. This is a tough position to be in. Yeah, I, I've written about that too, where, you know, it just kind of felt like over this, you know, they were able to make that big run back against SMU uh, back in November, but that's really the last time Wisconsin's made a big run back from, you know, one of those early deficits. So, you know, I don't want to say that they completely folded, but, you know, it, it just, it, they haven't been as well equipped to handle those big runs out of the gate. So, you know, avoiding them is the first, you know, I guess the right. most proof way to handle that type of stuff but eventually they're gonna have to be able to take those punches and you know punch back you know that's that's sort of just what good teams do right and a couple weeks ago we would have considered this team one of the best teams in the country and uh you know i mean they're only a couple weeks removed from that but still it's they got to show some things before they get back to that status absolutely all right so everybody get on badgerx.com make sure you subscribe follow all michael's work throughout the rest of the season here should be an exciting, I feel like, next few weeks and postseason. And uh, I think this team's got one more kind of fight, kind of stand left in them uh, after that good run. So make sure you're following Michael's work there. And then on Twitter, Mike J. McClearly, you can find him there as well. Uh, Michael, you are the lead-in to uh, a special guest we have on the podcast this week, Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl champion, Leo Chanel. So thank you for jumping on, man. Uh, we will wrap up here with Michael and then take a quick break and be back with Leo Chanel for a few minutes after he or was the right before basically he went to Kansas City for the Super Bowl parade for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, Leo. I guess I got to just start there. Probably wild 72 hours for you. We're talking Tuesday night. How good does it feel right now? Two years in the league, two Super Bowls. Uh, you know, it's it's unreal. Um, you know, I'm still kind of in shock and it, it's yet to set in. And, um, you know, it's, you know, I, I did it last year and, you know, I kind of, I think I said the same thing uh, when people would ask, you know, but again, like you think like, you know, you'd be used to the feeling and, but like, it's just unreal, um, be able to celebrate with my teammates and then being able to celebrate as a defense. Um, you know, we played our part, you know, kind of all season and, you know, it kind of felt that much better being able to help out in the way we did, especially after last year's Super Bowl, you know, where we felt we didn't do good enough. I wanted to ask you about that because obviously when you've got a guy like Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, a lot of the attention is going to be on the offense. 
But really, the defense led this team from start to finish. When you look at your best performances, especially here in the playoffs, just can you add a little bit more to that? Just what that's like to kind of see that shift where you guys, as especially a really young defense, had the impact that you did on these games? Yeah, it means a lot, um, especially like knowing the group of guys we have, um, the group of coaches we have, like, you know, everybody from top to bottom, you know, super humble, super hardworking. And for it to finally like, you know, start to pay out, you know, this year after all the work we put in the last couple of years in this defense that Coach Bags has us in, um, you know, it, it means so much because, you know, last year we'd, we'd, we'd play a game and, you know, we'd give up 25, 30, you know, plus points and we'd be like, oh man, like, thank goodness, you know, Pat, we got Patrick Mahomes and we, we got this offense and, you know, it feels good to win games, but, you know, you always want to do your part, you know, um, you know, so I think, I think it's more than, you know, just win. Um, we want to contribute as much as we can. And, um, you know, we definitely did this year and, you know, I'm proud of our guys. Absolutely. Talk about doing your part. You had some huge plays on Sunday. I wanted to ask you about a couple of them in particular, the fumble against, uh, that you were forced against, uh, Christian McCaffrey coming up that the right side. What'd you see on that play and how, how did you kind of make that play? And when you get back to the sideline, could you feel like how important that was to kind of stop them on that first drive? Yeah, yeah, they were driving. You know, they're they're a great offense. You know, everybody knows that they got a great team overall, star players, and Chris McCaffrey, man. Like, you know, I thought he could have won MVP. A lot of people do, and uh, you know, so they're going down on that drive, and you know, I got down, set the edges, kind of like a three technique, um, you know, and I, I just got off the ball, and you know, all all pre, uh, like pre week leading up to the game, you got you got a lot more time to think, and you know, I spent a lot more time visualizing, um, you know, reps and you know, calls that we would get than, you know, usual. Cause you know, we have that extra time. And I always thought about like, man, I need to, I need to have a good play, like a big play to, you know, make an impact. And, um, you know, so I thought about punching and stripping the ball as I, I would go through plays and try, trying to like put myself in as real scenarios as possible. And, you know, uh, you know, Mike Pinnell had it wrapped up and, you know, if you see like an angle of it, he kind of, the ball kind of went loose, you know, when Mike wrapped him up and it, it like started to stop. And then, you know, I came in and then I stripped it out. So, um, it's kind of that deal between like spouses, like, you know, you try to open the pickle jar and it's like, Hey, if someone else comes open and it's like, Hey, well, I loosened it for you. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, Mike Finale, he had a, he had a great game. Like looking back at tape, great game. But, uh, yeah, that, that was kind of it. You've looked back at tape already. You haven't just been celebrating the whole time. Um, you know, I, I, I just want to see like, you know, what, what, what could I have done better? Um, okay. you know, I definitely took a little time um, away from football and celebrated that night and. But, you know, you you, get, you sometimes get bored, find some free time, you know, you look at it. I got you. The other play I wanted to ask you about ended up being a huge part of you guys going overtime and winning the game. You blocked that extra point. Well, what's going through your mind on a play like that? You know, not much is going through your mind in a field goal block. It's one of those things like, you know, all you're, all I'm thinking about is, all right, let's time up the best get off I can get right now. Like any play, any play is it could be the most crucial point in the game. And I was kind of telling our guys that the whole time, like, hey, this next play could be the play of the game. Like, you know, just be ready, man. And uh, so I just timed it up. Like, you know, I've taken pride in kind of the field goal block, trying to get the best get off possible. And, you know, I didn't get one all year. And, uh, you know, on special teams, it's like we've, we've always talked about getting, you know, a big play on special teams. And finally in the biggest stage, like I was able to get the get off and work my hands inside in his chest to, you know, get drive some ground. And then you got to time it out right, getting your hand up. And, you know, I hit it a little bit and then it, like, uh, affected it and then you know uh mike dana ultimately stopped it but uh you know so it was kind of like both both of my plays there was kind of like hey you know like two guys you know kind of like a teamwork deal so um you know i got great guys around me yeah team sport right ultimate team sport of course um 
you mentioned it a little bit earlier, just how insane it is that that feeling afterwards. What is what is playing in that game like? Like, how much different is it from your regular season game that you go through eighteen times or seventeen times this year now? Um, you know, I, I obviously think like the speed like increases. Like, there's no, there's like no you could point out an individual player. There's nobody that taking a playoff. They're giving it like a hundred percent on the gas because everybody realizes like, hey. I'm going to be looking at this game the rest of the season and evaluating myself. And, you know, nobody wants to have regrets, um, you know, watching themselves play and, and th- uh, looking back on it, thinking about it. Um, you know, it's everybody just wants it that much more. And, you know, there was so much adrenaline and everything. And I, I just I just thought to myself, like, man, I just I got to treat this like a normal game um, as much as possible. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, making a joke on the sidelines, like, you know, giving somebody crap, like a teammate crap, you know, I when you we, we stress ourselves out be like oh man like you know start start stressing out like that i feel like the tension's high you know you start not playing so loose so i tried to simulate it as like a normal game as much as possible you know with the added adrenaline of course for sure and i i can't imagine i don't know if pressure's the right word but you said tension that's probably it like you know as you said you're gonna watch this game for the rest of your life win or win or lose this is gonna be something you think about forever and obviously you're 2-0 now so obviously you got a lot of good memories there uh, if, if people haven't seen, obviously, your your Instagram, some great pictures of you and your wife and your daughter on the field. That's probably the, the biggest difference from year one, year two. Welcome your daughter in the world. Tell me about that moment where you're on the field with her. You get to play in the confetti with her. Just what, what's that time like together, seeing her kind of experience that? No, I'm, I'm glad you asked that, man. It's uh, it's so special. Um, You know, immediately after we won and, you know, it's not that I'm ungrateful, of course, but like all I'm thinking of is I was like, man, I want to, I want to celebrate with those two. Um, you know, I just, as soon as I see them, I got the biggest smile. Um, you know, they make my day like, you know, so much, so much brighter every, every day and be able to see them with at the kind of the peak of my career, like, in, you know, my yeah career side of things and be able to celebrate with them. It's, it's so big. Um, you know, she's not going to, Everly's not going to remember it, but, uh, be able to look back on it will be so cool. And, um, you know, t- trying to, trying to have a, like sharing a moment with the, with the people I care about most with, you know, the thing, like the object kind of thing I care about most. It's uh, pretty special when those two can come together. For sure. You won the Super Bowl now on the last play of the game, two years in a row. What are those hours and maybe that night afterwards? Like, I'm sure you're, you're celebrating, having a good time, but like, how do you like try to get yourself back together? Maybe after that celebration? Yeah. I was actually talking about it with a buddy on the team. Um, you know, last year, like, you know, no doubt, like we were freaking out, you know, Harrison made the field goal, but there was still like seven or eight seconds or whatever was on the clock. So we had to run down a kickoff. And so, you know, the emotions are still way up here, but like, you know, you still get some time. So this year, like winning on a walk off was just insane. Like, especially with how much like back and forth there was at the end there going into overtime, it was like an instant, like we won this game. And um, I think Nicole said he like blacked out and like, <laughs> yeah. I was just like, what we did this? Like, that's crazy. Like in overtime, like after all we've been through that season, like I, I, yeah, I was in awe. I can imagine. And it's been obviously a topic of discussion the last few days of, you know, the overtime rules, how you guys were planned for it. And, and your defense gets that, you know, hold them to a field goal after they got a drive going. And when you come off to the sideline after that long drive, took about half the, the overtime quarter if you want to call it that what's in your mind of like okay it, we got that stop or like they've just got a field goal it's up to Patrick now or kind of how do you handle that next after they get the field goal in overtime when you're standing on the sideline 
Yeah, no matter what it is, you know, what situation we could be in, you know, 10 seconds left in the half, beginning of, like, beginning of a quarter, like, whatever situation they're in, if there's even, like, the slight possibility of us going back in, um, you know, we everybody just says, all right, or all the coaches are on the same page, like, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do, you know, if we get back on the field again. Um, so everybody talks as a matter of fact, like, that we're going to get back on the field. Um, you know, obviously we're hoping for the best, but coaches are preparing us as soon as we get there, talking about, you know, what we could have done better, talking about our assignments, um, you know, stuff like that. So I think our coaches do a really good job at preparing us no matter what. No, that makes sense. Just personally, obviously Las Vegas has been a place that's been pretty special for you in your life. You get engaged to your, your now wife there back when you're playing for the Badgers in the bowl game. Now you won a Super Bowl there. And then you haven't lost a game there as a pro. And then you obviously won that bowl game as a Badger. Like, what are you just like the luckiest guy in Vegas? What's up there? Luck in Vegas. That's a weird thing to say. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we I actually tried to visit, um, you know, the Bellagio or the fountains where uh, I, we got engaged, but uh, it was, it was kind of pushing on time. I, I didn't think I was pushing on time because the traffic wants to get kind of by Caesar's palace in that area. It's, it's crazy. Like we were trying to get there and I'm like, I looked at the time, like, are you kidding me? So I like started like running back. I couldn't get a taxi back, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's special being able to go go there and um, you know have those memories and um, you know it's kind of cool. I thought about it the same way with uh, you know Arizona. Like you know, I trained there. I had my first game there, preseason game, and then I you know played in the Super Bowl that year too. So it's kind of funny how things come like full circle sometimes. And yeah, um, no, so it's it's pretty cool. So I was want to give you these facts so you can throw out at people. You're the 16th Badger to ever win a Super Bowl. And then you were the third to ever go back to back, and the first one since Mike Webster in 1979, 1980. So quite a while ago. It's a pretty special feat. Just what does that mean to you to be one of those guys that's worn a Badger uniform and then gone on and had the success that you've had in the in the pro space? Yeah, it's it's such an honor, um, especially with the the amount of quality guys um, that Wisconsin has produced on and off the field. Um, to be able to do that and be a part of the team that I'm a part of. You know, it, it is an honor because, um, you know, Wisconsin is very reputable. Like I said, we pumped out a lot of good players. Um, and to be able to be part of that, man, it's, you know, there's not much you can say. It's it's, it's an honor. Sure. I'll leave you with this one. What What's the, the game plan for the parade tomorrow? You had a, kind of a legendary performance last year. You got to try to beat it? Or like, what, what are you thinking for the parade in Kansas City? Oh, man. Uh, shoot. I, I don't know what I'm going to do, to be honest. It's trying to wing it. Hopefully, uh, hopefully not try jumping a bus again. I'm gonna keep it one for one in that. I'm not trying to go back to back in that. Uh, but uh, you're dead yeah, now. You can't risk it, right? <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Uh, you gotta look out for Everly. But uh, yeah, I'm just trying to have fun with the boys. Uh, try not to go too over the top. I, I have to say this as a Bronco fan: stop killing me so bad, man. This it, I, I'm happy for you individually, but every time you guys play us, it's just like, well, how bad is this gonna be? Hey, hey, hey! You got us, man. This year. So shoot, I love yeah, Hendog, fuck up some of those turnovers. I mean, Hendog was rubbing it in my face, man. He's just a crap. <laughs> no, 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 he's the nicest dude ever. No, you would never. But uh, no, it was it was a fun time, for sure, man. All right, well, thank you so much for catching up. Good luck, man. All right, thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.